Today's scripture is from Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we hung up our harps, for there our captors ask us for songs, and our tormentors ask for mirth, saying, Sing us a song, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thank you so much. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and it is good to be with God's people one more time. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Consecrate us now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. As our souls look up, our ears are attuned, our hearts are open, and our minds are focused with the steadfast hope and our wills are lost in thine. In this preaching moment, draw us nearer and nearer to you, blessed Lord, that your word would not return unto you void, but would accomplish everything which you set out for it to do in the lives of your people, this church, this community, and the entire world. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Julie, for the invitation. Thank you all for the beautiful welcome. This morning, uh, I will be looking at um, the hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow, but I also want to turn our attention to Psalm 139, which has been read in our hearing, and I'd like to lift up one verse of that hymn, if I may, which is verse 4, which simply says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And the hymn for this morning, many of you know the lyrics and we'll sing it later, but the hymn goes this way, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me goes on to say, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So for the time that is ours this morning, I want to preach from the subject, and I won't be long. I know Pastor Julie told you that I'm a Baptist preacher, but I went to a Methodist seminary, so start your <laughs> clocks. <laughs> Singing in strange situations, singing in spite of strange situations. In our psalm for today, Israel was living in the midst of a strange situation. They were in exile, having been forcibly deported out of their home. Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed. They were living in Babylon under Babylonian imperial rule. They were a long way from home and a long way from their center of worship. They were experiencing not only homesickness, longing for the beautifully familiar sights and smells of Jerusalem, but they were in bondage. Their bondage was not only physical, but also religious, spiritual, and emotional. They were physically tired, spiritually grieved, 
and deeply despair to their core by their circumstances in captivity. They were being tormented and their dignity was at stake. Israel was in a strange situation. And like Israel, none of us, those in the sanctuary and those on Facebook, none of us are immune to strange situations. Those experiences that leave us physically tired, spiritually grieved and deeply despaired. Many of you can attest to living in strange situations in your families, on your jobs, or watching the economy, perhaps with pain and disease in your bodies. And black people in living in the United States of America have found and are still finding ourselves living in the midst of strange situations. In fact, current research shows that there is a 30% likelihood of a black person to be stopped without just cause than a white person. Strange situations. There is bias in the criminal justice system where black people are being incarcerated at more than five times the rate of other races. Strange situations. There, 60% of black Americans are living in communities with uncontrolled toxic waste sites, strange situations. And there's an 80% higher mortgage rate denial for black applicants than white applicants. These are strange situations. Beloveds, the residue of chattel slavery and Jim Crow has left a film over every aspect of public life from economics to employment to education and the environment. These are no doubt strange situations. In the midst of Israel's strange situation, the Bible says their captors, the Babylonian rulers who perpetuated Israel's bondage made a request, sing us one of the songs of Zion. On the surface, it may not seem an odd request. Perhaps they like the songs of Zion. Perhaps the Israelites possessed a marvelous gift of song like your chancel choir. Perhaps they too wanted to hear about this great God that Israel sang about. But the truth is their request was not genuine. The Bible says that the Babylonians asked in mirth. In other words, they laughed as they made this request. They found it funny that here was Israel who claimed to belong to such a great and mighty God under the subjugation of Babylonian rule. They took delight in Israel's dehumanization. They found Israel's abuse amusing. They thought Israel's enslavement was entertaining. Their request, sing us one of the songs of Zion, added the insult of comedy to the injury of oppression. And this is similar to the accounts of enslaved Africans during chattel slavery in America. From a recent essay entitled Songs on the Slave Plantation, written by Lisa Weaver, the story is told of a formerly enslaved man in Texas named Mr. Jacob Branch. And Mr. Jacob Branch recounted, the folks in the big house used to come down to the quarters on Saturday night and make us sing. And herein lies a paradox. Music, especially the songs lifted in community to God, is supposed to lift spirits. Soothe hearts, calm minds, infuse joy, and in 
draw the singers and the hearers closer to God and to each other. But in this case, music was weaponized as a tool of dehumanization. And some of you may be saying, but that was in ancient Israel and during chattel slavery. Yes, but it continues today in subtle and obvious ways. In the midst of strange situations in economics, employment, education, the environment, and more, blacks in the United States of America are expected to sing and dance despite it all. And the truth is, many of you may be expected to sing, to grin and bear it, to act like nothing is wrong when in fact you're faced with your own strange situation. And this brings me to verse four in Psalm 137. Israel steeped in this strange situation where their labor was commodified and their worth as human beings was not valued raises a critical question. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? In other words, the Israelites in Babylon were asking, how can we sing the Lord's song in such a strange situation? How can we sing the Lord's song when our bodies are being broken? How can we sing the Lord's song when our spirits are being crushed? How can we sing the Lord's song in captivity when we're being oppressed? And if we leap off the pages of scripture and fast forward through the annals of time, the question has remained a relevant and critical one for black people in these United States. How can we sing the Lord's song in such strange situation? How can we sing the Lord's song when black men are considered three-fifths of a man and black women are persona non grata? How can we sing the Lord's song in Jim Crow when our civil rights are not being upheld? How can we sing the Lord's song even in 2023 when black people are still disproportionately dying from treatable diseases because of the disparities in healthcare? How can we sing the Lord's song when the telling of our history is being erased from textbooks because it makes others uncomfortable. How? Their question was a methodological one. They knew God, they knew the songs, but the strange situation made it difficult if not impossible to imagine the means whereby they would garner the strength to sing. But when you read on in Psalm 137, they do sing, not because their captors demanded a song, but because they remembered God's goodness. When they remembered God, who God was, and how God had moved in their history, they could not help but loose their tongues in song. How did they sing? by remembering that their identity and value was tied to the almighty God and not the Babylonians. This too is how we sing by remembering that our value and our identity is tied to God and not to any strange situations we find ourselves in. W.E.B. Du Bois, scholar, wrote, but through the songs, there breeds a hope for faith and the ultimate justice of things. In other words, strange situations don't define our personhood or black people's personhood, God does. So the psalmist raised a critical question. How do we sing the Lord's song in strange situations? 
I'm getting to the hymn. Whereas, in his eye is on the sparrow, the hymn to kick off the Faith We Sing sermon series, Sevilla Durfee Martin inherently raised the question, why do we sing the Lord's song in strange situations? She wrote, why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? That sounds like a strange situation to me. One that ancient Israelites and Babylon and blacks in the United States and all of us in this sanctuary and on Facebook Live could closely identify with. To be sure, Sevilla Martin was not a black woman. She did not experience the litany of strange situations that I named earlier. Sevilla Martin was born in Nova Scotia, the wife of a Baptist minister who later made her home in Atlanta, Georgia, penning hundreds of hymns, hymns that I love, including His Eyes on the Sparrow, which she wrote in 1906. And history records that the strange situation, the discouragement and shadow and loneliness that Martin was referring to came after visiting a sick friend. However, her lyrics, coupled with the low blue sound of Ethel Waters in 1953, and the masterful contralto of Mahalia Jackson in 1956 have resonated so deeply with the psyche and lived experiences of black men and women in the United States that there are countless renditions of the hymn that have been recorded. Just go in, on YouTube and type in his eyes on the sparrow and see how many come up. And I would imagine that there are thousands, if not millions, of instances of his eyes on the sparrow being sung by everyone from church choirs, which we will do soon, to black grandmothers in the South on Wednesday afternoonings. And I believe that black people have been stirred by Sevilla Martin's inherent question, why do we sing the Lord's song in strange situations? Why? Why, why, I sound like a three-year-old. <laughs> Whereas how is a question of method, why is a question of reason or purpose. And I believe when you know why, it makes it possible to continue doing something when how gets difficult or nearly impossible. And I was watching Wakanda Forever last night with my oldest daughter, and there was a moment when Princess Shuri raised a how question to the anti-hero Namor, and he responded, how is never as important as why. And this struck me so much so that I had to open up my computer and add it to the sermon after pausing the TV and making her wait. <laughs> how is not as important as why. And so the question, how do we sing the Lord's song in a strange situation, is a good one, but why do we sing the Lord's song in strange situations is a more important question. And I'm so glad that Sevilla Martin answers the why question in the refrain. She says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me this same why. The providential and protective presence of God speaks to the faith and strength and resilience and hope and joy of black people in the United States in strange situations.
and this why for singing, the providential and protective presence of God has carried black people through the murky waters of the Middle Passage, the horrors of chattel slavery, the strange fruit of lynching in the South, the inequality of Jim Crow, the hypocrisy of the war on drugs, and the current realities of systemic racism that are present in every sector of public life. And yet, we continue to sing. Gospel great Kirk Franklin remixed his eyes on the sparrow in a way that only Kirk Franklin could. And it was recorded by his group, Kirk Franklin and the Family, in 1993. They sang, someone asked the question, why do we sing? When we lift our hands to Jesus, what do we really mean? Someone may be wondering why we sing our song. At times, we may be crying, and nothing's even wrong. They went on to sing, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. That's the reason why I sing. And so I stopped by here this morning on this first Sunday in Black History Month to say, we sing because we're happy. We sing because we're free. We sing because our faith in God is clearer than what we see in broken systems. We sing because the power of God is greater than the power of oppression. We sing because the love of God is stronger than the forces of evil. We sing because we know that trouble doesn't last always. We sing because God's eye is on the sparrow. That's the reason why we sing. So if and when you find yourself in a strange situation, whether disease or discrimination, whether anxiety or advocating for the humanity of others, whether stressful situations or shaking up the status quo, whether confusing circumstances or challenging classism, whether the fear of the future or fighting for freedom for all of God's people, I invite you to remember the reason why you sing and sing because you're happy. Sing because you're free. Sing because God's eye is on the sparrow. And let the world know that's the reason why you sing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs>